You just think we just, you know, whatever happens, we just shit another player. I, and everything's going to be perfect. All of our fans think that. You all think that. That's what you write about. What it comes down to is we got to play with more heart. It doesn't matter what scheme we have. We could install the triple option in the bye week. And if our guys don't believe in each other and believe that they're going to win and play with great resolve and toughness and grit, it doesn't matter what we do in that regard. You don't want to be here. There's a specific reason. Not really, you know, I think we did a poor job recruiting. If guys are coming in and immediately walking out the door because it was something different than what they thought it would be. And we lied to them during recruiting or we, we sold them on a dream that wasn't true. Certainly, like I said, coach our kids to, to do the right thing and uh, you know, play with poise, play with confidence, play with dignity, play with class. At the same time, we're not going to take anyone's shit either. We want to be a big, fast, dominating, aggressive, relentless football team that nobody in the SEC wants to play. Now, that's also a second in the West, baby. Yes, sir. <laughs> excited about second. From now on, it's first, okay? All I want to do is fucking eat! I want you to eat! I want you to eat! I want you to want this shit! Do you want it? Do you want it? Show me! Bunch of did it again! Welcome in to the latest episode of That SEC Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And I'm joined, as always, by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vols on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? Hey, babe, what's going on? Hey, Shade, I'm just enjoying my Monday evening here. This is the greatest week, I think, of the SEC calendar. Mm-hmm. Because even if your team's eliminated from postseason play, the SEC championship, what have you, you still got a chance, Shane, to ruin your rival's year. <laughs> You still got an opportunity to get bragging rights all year long. Uh-huh. So we got a lot to talk about. Uh, let's just dive right in here. Shane, you ready to go around the league? Dude, I am ready. I mean, this is it, Mike. House, houses are getting divided. There's there's family <laughs> members not going to talk till after Thanksgiving. I mean, yes, I'm ready. <laughs> let's do it. Now let's go now around let's the go league. Around the My, my daughters said something about me wearing a visor and need to put on a hat because I'm getting bald. So, uh, so I'm going to wear a hat from here on out. I mean, if you look over the next six years, I think we played Miami three times, Florida State six times, South Florida three times, Mississippi State once. So who's the SEC teams? You know, I mean, I don't think, I think it's an injustice for the kids. They should, we should mix those games up and you should, um, you know, play more teams from the West. Why don't you start calling around and see if you can get somebody else to play us, and we'll play them. We'll play anybody you can get to play us. In Louisiana, hold on a second. Hey, guys. Hey, I'm having a press conference, okay? Thank you. All right, Shane, let's uh, kick things off here in Starkville. Mississippi State head coach Joe Moorhead met with the media. And, uh, you know, before we jump to his comments, Shane, obviously a lot of buzz. And I'm hearing, as crazy as this is to say, Shane, there's rumblings that Joe Moorhead could be gone. Mississippi Mm. State loses this game. I don't know, Shane. I mean, I know in the last season you could argue I was probably the best Mississippi State team of our lifetimes. I mean, yep. it, it was that good. 
They went eight and five. That's borderline inexcusable. Poor job by Joe Moorhead. Now the team's sitting here at five and six with, you know, they sanctions. Lo- they <laughs> they lose this game. They're not going to the postseason. I mean, Mississippi State at the standard there set by Dan Mullen is bare minimum to make the postseason. So, you know, I guess it makes sense in some degree, but it's not like this guy is. Comp- I don't. I I don't know. I'm sure Mississippi State fans are kind of tired of, you know, me supporting this guy to, to a degree, but. I just don't think he's like completely over his head or anything. I just think that, uh, you know, there's an adjustment to the SEC. There's an adjustment to being a head coach. And, yes, that does not excuse, you know, the some of the poor performances we've seen. This guy's supposed to be an offensive guru, and his, his offense has been downright terrible more often than not. But I think we've seen enough signs, Shane. I mean, this guy knows how to identify a quarterback. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've seen the bearded trader. I think he looks like one of the more promising quarterback prospects in the SEC. We've seen Kylan Hill go from, you know, la- I mean, this guy's always had talent, but last year, uh, I mean, no one was saying this is the best running back in the SEC. Now a year later in this uh, system, I mean, I think you could say, you know, you can make a case for a few running backs, but Kylan Hill's got to be in the discussion for best SEC running back. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. I say all that to say, to ask you, Shane, Mississippi State, do you really think that uh, they could be firing Joe Moorhead in under two, under just two years' time when, I don't know, what what's your thoughts on that? No, I, I think last year was a disappointment, but this year was kind of warranted. It felt like, you know, they, they had the – uh, the sanctions, you know, they had a lot of things going against them. They they had a lot of trouble. You know, Tommy came in. He was supposed to be the answer, and he just was unhealthy. And, and so they had to turn to a true freshman. you got the leading rusher in the SEC. You've got a top 21 recruiting class. I mean, there's a lot of positive things that you can hang your hat on as a Mississippi State fan. Did it season? Did this season go exactly as planned? Absolutely not. It is disappointing that we brought Joe in to to lead this offense, you know, to see some sort of resemblance of what they had up there at Penn State. And then you look over there at Florida and Dan's winning 10 games, you know, it's, it's, it is disheartening. I understand that. But uh, I, I think that, you know, you got to be patient. And you, you wreck this class right now. Um, I mean, this could set you back, man. Uh, I just, I, I think it's, I think it's a little premature with Joe. I think we got to let him play a few more and uh, get get him some time to get his you know recruits in there and, and play in the scheme that he wants. I mean, hell, they're already starting to step up, you know. Yeah. What are you saying to the next coach, Shane? If you you come in here and say, you know, with all the limitations that Mississippi State has in its history, I mean, you look at Dan Mullen's record. You know, we we all recognize him as an elite coach in the SEC. I think he was about ten games under five hundred for his career, mm-hmm. and this is, I mean, this is that includes the year they were number one in the S in the nation. I mean, right. it, it took a lot for him to get ten games below five hundred. You're throwing a guy out that uh, you know, hell, he could be two and zero against yeah. Ole Miss. He could, you know, back to back bowl seasons and and. 90% of the fan base I talk to is ready to get rid of this damn guy. I just don't know if what you're saying to the next guy outside of, you know, you got to win eight, nine games every year or otherwise we're going to be mad at you. Like, I just don't know who they're going to get that's going to satisfy him at that point. 
I think there's I think there's reasons to fire a coach early. You know, mm-hmm. like when you when you see Willie Taggart and everything they threw at him down at Florida State and what they've been able to put on the field. I mean, it's it's they were a laughing stock. And, and yes, he deserved to get fired. What Coach Morris has done at the at Arkansas, I mean, is just laughable and embarrassing for that university. And he deserved to get fired. You know. I don't know if we're there with Joe. I think sometimes you got to let these coaches play out. And, and if you cut bait too early, you never know what you had. So I, I think Joe has experience. I think he has promise, man. I think he's the best thing that we can do right now at Mississippi State. Because like you said, if you cut him loose now, what does that say to the next guy that comes in? I, 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 I you're you're going to be batting at a lower tier level than you are when you got Joe in there just because of the reputation. So I'd hold off, man, give him some time, at least another year, man, uh, if not two, you know, and then maybe we look at that. But if the, he doesn't take the steps forward next year, the, if you don't see the progression that I saw flashes of this year, then yeah, cut, cut him loose. But I, I don't think this is the season we need to do it. Let's kick it over to Joe Moorhead, Shane, who talked about, uh, obviously, this is going to be his second Egg Bowl, so just kind of experiencing that last year for the first time on the pressures that he's facing. I mean, these some of these Mississippi State media members, Shane, they're, they're, they're <laughs> asking him the tough questions. Just credit that crew. On Ole Miss's rushing attack on his team, keeping their emotions in check in such a heated rivalry here. Coach, last year – Post game, you know, you had the little scrum, I guess you could say, on the field. What was your impressions of that first Egg Bowl that you experienced, and then in recruiting as well? You know, recruiting in-state athletes and kind of the the uh, the rivalry there. What's your first impressions and your impressions now of the Egg Bowl rivalry? Just of that game or the rivalry in general? Just, I guess, would that include? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, being a part of you know Pitt Penn State and being growing up around Pitt West Virginia, the backyard brawl, and you talk about two schools. You know, with uh, you know a lot in common and, and uh, passionate fan bases, and I don't think you really quite understand it till you're till you're in it. And uh, I think um, you know, leading up to the game, I got a, a pretty decent idea. But you know, once the game started, and obviously, you know, uh, unfortunately, you know, afterward, you, you kind of really got a uh, a true sense of what the rivalry means. Coach, obviously, um, players know that they need this win to get to a bowl game. Uh, not so much added pressure, but when you're when you're in a robbery game like that, is is that a big factor knowing you must have it to win a bowl game, or is it just on top of other factors? Yeah, I think the, I think the, the kids are aware of it, you know, and it's not something really that we even need to talk about. You know, the, the right we're right on the cusp of uh, bowl eligibility, and you know we got to win this one to get to the postseason. And you know, I, I don't believe in feeling pressure; I believe in applying pressure. So uh, they they know that we need to have a great week of preparation. You know, we'll start tonight on the field, and you know we got to do two things: uh, make sure we play well and keep the egg here in Starkville. And if we do that, then we'll we'll extend the season and get to play in the bowl game. Joe, have you had any talks with the administration about what this game might mean for your future at Mississippi State? With for with, in, in what regard? You know, the outcome of the game. No. What do you think the outcome of the game means for your future at Mississippi State? Uh, the. Um, I think the outcome of this game means that we win the Egg Bowl and we go on to the postseason. When you look at Ole Miss, you know, they're so run heavy and they don't, they don't throw the ball as much as they, pro- they probably would like to, sort of similar to what you were a season ago. Yeah. From a defensive standpoint, do you worry about 
worrying too much about the run game and it leaves you open to things in the pass game? Yeah, and I think that's what Coach Rodriguez does very well. You know, uh, you know some 10 personnel looks, some 11 personnel looks. They get into some of that two back, one tight end stuff and, uh, you know, really create conflict. And when you're, you're that concerned with uh, stopping the run and needing to get people to the box, you know, by secondary supported pressure, it creates some one-on-one -on -one matchups. You know, and certainly they played John Rice, they played Corral. Elijah Moore, I think, has a 815 yards receiving, I believe. And, uh, you know, a couple, couple guys have kind of chipped in along the way. But I think like anything, when you're committing numbers to stop the box, it's a give and take that you're going to have some guys playing, uh, you know, single coverage on the back end. So I think you got to do two things. You got to mix up the looks and, and get numbers and, and set edges. But at the same time, you have to be cognizant and aware of, of uh, you know, the ability to throw the ball down the field. Coach, last year you used to talk a lot about playing with emotion, but not playing emotionally. Yeah. When it's a rivalry game like this, how do you kind of manage that in practice to kind of prepare them for what's going to be an emotional environment? Yeah, um, I think more than anything, you, you don't you don't want to minimize the uh, the emotional component of it because the kids are going to be fired up by nature. So I don't know you, there's necessarily anything you're going to do to get them any more riled up. But uh, you know, all, all the pregame talk, all the pregame chatter. All the Newt Rockney fist through the chalkboard speeches, you know, in about a series and a half, that's going to wear out, and you're going to fall back on your preparation, and uh, the game's going to be dictated by the execution. So we want the guys taking the field fire. We want them, you know, to have great energy, great urgency, and play with physicality and and passion. But at the same time, you know, it's going to come down to how well we execute, not how hard we play. All right, Shane. So, it's, I mean, these were some some these were not softballs they were throwing up at Joe Moorhead. So, how do you think he handled it? Just say what you mean, man. Have you talked to the admin and they tell you you're going to get fired if you lose this game? Has that happened? You know, don't beat around the bush. You know, I, I, I'd i love for him to – I'd love to hear that question brought up to Nick Saban or, uh, you know, or Muschamp or something like that, man, where these guys could have chewed it up. Because Joe, he, he took the high road and, um, you know, I, I, I it, it blows my mind that there is that much pressure on him, but – maybe there is, you know, I'm not down there. I don't, I, I, you know, I'm not on the message boards. I don't know if, <laughs> if this is, if this is, you know, we're tracking planes and see where the AD's at. I don't know, but, mm -hmm. um, I thought Joe did, he did okay with answering those questions. It, it is, it is as simple as winning this week. You know, this is a huge robbery. This, this game, uh, at the end, you know, they won, but it, it got in a fight. I mean, this is something these, the, these people talk about all year long, you know, I mean, this is, this is one of the, uh, I don't know, man, just one of the most angry rivalries that you'll find right here. And, uh, and if he comes out ahead and he puts old, like, it's not even close. I don't think anybody's batting an eye that Joe's coming back, but if they get embarrassed by old Miss, then yeah, maybe there is some, some uh, smoke or what they say, where there's smoke, there's fire. Maybe there's a little bit down there. Mm-hmm. Well, moving on from Moorhead, Shane, let's uh, discuss the matchup here a little bit. Uh, it's important to note that Mississippi State, you know, all their guys that are in and out due to suspensions, they're all going to play. Everyone that's healthy is going to play in this matchup here. It's that big of a deal down there, obviously. A lot at, at stake here, Shane. Mississippi State, I think they're going to have a real advantage when their offense is on the field facing the uh, Ole Miss defense particularly if they can get these receivers going. I know the receivers have been real hit or miss here lately, but it just kind of feels like a game to me that uh, these guys are going to show up and play 
you know, this game means so much. I know the remember the line when it about two weeks ago debuted. Mississippi State's the favorite. Then on Sunday, Ole Miss is the favorite. Now Mississippi <laughs> State's the favorite again. I mean, this is how this game is going to play out in my mind. I think it's going to uh-huh. be back and forth. You got John Rice, Plumley, and that crew on the other side. I don't know how much success Mississippi State's going to have shutting them down. I don't see that being realistic, but I think they can limit them enough. You know, I I do think this is going to be a back and forth game. But whether it's Tommy Stevens, where it's whether it's Garrett Schrader under center. I really think Mississippi State's going to have some success on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, are you expecting, like me, kind of a shootout egg bowl? I don't know, man. I, I really think Joe's going to sail out toward the run, you know, and try to play keep away because uh, old Plumtree, man, he gets his hands on the ball. He's, I mean, he's, you know, it's funny. We talk about Hill being the leading rusher. Do you know, like, Plumtree's like three. You know, he's he's second in most touchdowns this season, the SEC, mm-hmm. uh, as rushing touchdowns. I mean, this these teams have potential to to be in a barn burner top shootout game, but I don't know. I think Joe would be crazy to to make this a, a back and forth like it was with Ole Miss and LSU mm-hmm. and, and get <laughs> a little more conservative. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Now keep this in mind, Shane. If Mississippi State finds a way to win this, and if they win a bowl game, hell, they have won three of the last four going into the off season. I mean, it's still it's just it's wild to think about. But uh, the Joe Moorhead on <laughs> sounds like a damn boiling <laughs> hot seat down there, and he, they've got a lot to play for down there. Yeah, man. Well, kicking over to the other side, Shane. Let's jump on down to Ole Miss. Howdy, howdy, Ole Miss. Where it really seems like the Rebels trending in the right direction here. But keep in mind, this team's only won four games this year. Now, you could argue, as we have said on this podcast, there's a couple games here or there that maybe they got screwed by a ref or, uh, you know, it was a turnover here or a, or a missed opportunity there. I mean, this could be a six, seven-win team. But the reality is there are four-win team heading into this game. Mm-hmm. And while the season has not, you know, lived up to the expectations – there's a lot to be gained here from ruining Mississippi State's season, maybe getting their damn coach fired, momentum going into the offseason, and still that glimmer of hope that they can get into the, the postseason of 5-7 and seven record. You know, while there's so much pressure potentially on Mississippi State and Joe Moorhead, which team do you think it's maybe Ole Miss that has more to gain and not as much to lose in this Egg Bowl? Well, yeah, I mean, there, there's talk that, well, I mean, they're both going to be bowl eligible after the, I mean, there's a chance Ole Miss is bowl. Can you explain that to the listeners, how a, a five-win team can make a bowl game? Mm-hmm. Well, so, uh, here's the situation. Because there's so many bowls now, there's typically not enough six and six teams to actually go to the bowl games. So they got to send somebody and what happens in that situation is they, if you're five and seven, outside of uh, the Pac-12, I just I just recently found this out. The Pac-12 has said, if you're five and seven, you cannot go to a bowl game, so you eliminate all the Pac-12 squads. But every other team, if you're five and seven, and if you you can turn down a bowl opportunity, I don't know why you do that, but some schools, I guess, you know, not interested in going with a losing record, but. Mm-hmm. Most others, five and seven. Now the next thing they look at is your APR 
which is essentially uh, a graduation rate. So you bring in kids in and you got to graduate them. The more you graduate, the higher your APR. And Ole Miss's APR is is very high from what I understand. Uh, the one team they got to watch out for is Duke. I think Duke is uh, one of the top five teams in the nation in APR, and they're sitting at four wins as well. So you need them to lose this weekend. But I think Ole Miss, from what I understand, is one of the highest rated APR teams that uh, is hovering around this five-win mark. So that's how it happens, Shane. They need extra teams to go to the bowl game, and they they really like to uh, give it to these schools that uh, are graduating their kids. That being said, Mike, I, I think that it's so funny that I think there is more pressure on Mississippi State to win this game, even though there's a chance Ole Miss went from a five-win season to a four-win season and less pressure. You know what I'm saying? It's just – there, there's been little – that's the thing with football, man. It's crazy because if your team – if your season's tanked, as long as you've got little sparks of a brighter future, it doesn't seem so bad. And I think when you see old Plumtree running around out there and you see some of this young talent and this these young running backs and, you know, this, these young receivers, it's just – I don't know. There's just something about it. You're just like, you know what? We are in a rebuild and we're going to be better next year. Mississippi State, it just feels like they're slowly declining. I mean, they mm-hmm. went from a ranked team last year to now we're hoping that we get a win against Ole Miss to make a bowl. So, yeah, it's a little bit more disheartening because you felt like you were just on the top of the mountain and you're going back down. So I get that. I just think that the uh, that that may play a role in, in some of the hot seat talk with uh, Mississippi State, but yeah, I think you're right. I think there's more pressure on Joe to win this game than there is on Coach Luke. Mm-hmm. Well, let's kick it over to Coach Luke Shane, who talked about uh, the motivation for this game on making a bowl game, possibly with a five and seven record, and if that's something they discuss there in Oxford, on keeping their emotions in check. On his personal history, remember he played here, his father played here, his brother played here. I mean, this damn game's in his blood. And then finally on uh, attempting to stop Mr. Kylan Hill. Matt, it's just the margin of defeat last year. Just tweak these guys, Ole Miss, from a pride standpoint. I think uh, this game stands alone. You can't worry about what happened last year. I mean, this is two brand new teams, you know, different set of circumstances. But uh, I think – uh, you really don't need any extra motivation when it comes to this game. It's just it's very, very important to, uh, on its own. Are you guys mentioning the possibility of a bowl at 5-7 and seven to your players? You know, I think, I think that's out there because enough people have been talking about it, but not really. We're not, we're, it's not something that we're talking about. We're focused on this game, and if certainly that happens, I mean, you welcome all the extra practice time and the ability to go to a bowl game with a young team. It's like an extra spring practice, so I think it would be a, a positive. But uh, you're certainly not focused on, on that. I mean, our, our guys are dialed in on this, on this game. Matt, you talked about everybody on this team knowing how big of a rivalry this is, how important it is. What do you say to the guys to not get them too overexcited and too involved in the, the pageantry of it? Yeah, I, I, this is a very uh, emotional and passionate game, and, and it should be, as all rivalry games should be, with two passionate fan bases. And it's a, you know, it's a great college football game, but at the end of the day, you still got to go out there and play football. I mean, nothing that happens, you know, you, I mean, you got to go play football between the whistles and take care of your business and go play really, really hard. Uh, all the other stuff is not going to have a not going to affect the outcome of the game. Matt, you talk about how emotional and passionate of a football game this is. Uh, you'd be hard pressed to find anybody that's as steeped in this game as you are. Do you find yourself having to maybe 
step outside yourself a little bit to control your your emotions going into this well, game? I, I mean, I think you I think you want to be I think you want to be real. You don't want to be fake, and you don't I mean. But I mean, it, it is an emotional and it is a passionate game. Uh, but I think the the whole thing is I, I'm you know born and raised in the state of Mississippi. When you when when the game comes on Thursday night and it's a national TV game, you want the whole state of Mississippi to be shed in a good light. And I think uh, just with a good football game, two teams, passionate fan bases out there playing hard, that's the way it should be. Coach, who sticks out to you this season with Mississippi State? Who, I guess, is a, I guess, a unique character specifically with that offense that you'll have to prepare for this week coming up? Well, I mean, the obvious is Kylan Hill. He's, you know, he's the leading rusher in the Southeastern Conference. He's a very, very good player. And he do, does a great job, you know, making people miss, breaking tackles. Uh, yards after contact. I mean, all those things he's very, very good at. And so, uh, but you know, both quarterbacks can run the football. You know, that you add that dimension, uh, you got to, you know, you got to uh, account for all 11 guys all the time, and then the play actions off of it. All right, Shane. So you can kind of get it there from Coach Luke. You know, this game he understands more than most the importance of it, and I really appreciate the fact that, uh, you know, I'm sure. He's talking trash all up in the locker room and everything, but <laughs> it's not kind of like his predecessor. You know, he's not necessarily doing it publicly, and I think that really right. that helps. Uh, you know, you don't want you don't want this damn thing to turn venomous. We don't need damn tree poisoners out here in, in Mississippi <laughs> or anything. But no, uh, you know, Coach Luke knows the importance. Of, uh, he's the he's the head coach at Ole Miss right now because he won one of these egg bowls. Yeah, and he'd go a long way. Ole Miss just named a a full time AD. Keith Carter, the former interim AD, you know, he'll, he'll earn some goodwill here by beating Mississippi State once again. I think he, he fully understands that, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I, it, I think it's funny when these coaches come out and they act like they're not talking about it. Uh, no, they're talking about it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, how many times, I mean, think about the, uh, oh, we haven't done Missouri yet, but that's one of the things coach talked about is, uh, uh, Odom, you know, he was saying, you know, there was a big game. They were trying to get, go ahead and clinch the, uh, the bowling aspect of it. And you got Tennessee acting like they're bowling after the game. You know, these, these players know what's on the line when you haven't made that bowl game yet. So, uh, yeah, that's just, that's added weight. And to think these coaches aren't talking about it is crazy, man. These guys want to go to postseason. They don't want to give up on football just yet. Mm-hmm. Well, you hit on it there, Shane. Let's jump to the Friday action. Let's jump on down to Fayetteville. Woo pig! Where interim coach Barry Lunny Jr. spoke about the upcoming Missouri game. Uh, before we get into the action, Shane, I don't know if you heard this, but uh, you know some stunning news out of Fayetteville. This the damn mumps broken out on campus. <laughs> where? <laughs> where? Where did this happen? It at Arkansas. They released a statement that. Uh, <laughs> Apparently, players are affected. A bunch of the sports programs are affected. So, damn, Shane, just when they, uh, you know, they get rid of, they got rid of Chad Morris, but the disease is still running rampant down there on the hill. Uh, So, do you think he spread it? You know, I mean that. (laughs) (laughs) Just rubbing his mumps on every door handle in Arkansas. Oh, man. Well, we talked about it a little bit there, Shade, on Sunday's pod that, you know, I thought Arkansas was impressed with how they perform, really watching the game once again. K.J. Jefferson, I know he's potentially limited. He may not play in this game. He is listed, you know, as a potential starter for it. But, you know, he really seemed to bring a spark to this offense. 
uh, defense. You know, they kind of caved a little bit once they started getting hammered, but I, I at least saw some signs of life from Arkansas. I don't know if that's going to carry over to this final game. You know, there's been players in the past that say they hate playing in damn Little Rock, but Barry Lunny apparently not one of these guys. I mean, I thought this guy was going to start crying at the presser just talking about his love of Little Rock and all his past memories there. But uh, I don't know, Shane, you think Arkansas's got it in him to get up one more time? I know everything, you know, there's there's every reason in the world to quit. But they didn't do it against LSU, number one team in the nation, in Death Valley at night. Do you think they have in them one more performance here against a Missouri team that, you know, looks very beatable at this moment? Do they th- – I don't know, Mike. I mean, I think you can get motivated for games like this. I, I, I think it's, I think it's very big for the seniors. But how close is this locker room? You know what I'm saying? I mean, there was I've seen reports talking about this locker room was divided at some point, and that may be, you know, underclassmen against upperclassmen. I don't know. You know, do did they rally last week? It felt like it. It felt like they really gave everything they had. They just, you know, playing the number one team in the nation. So yeah, I think it's possible uh, to get pumped for this game, but I think it's pump. I think it's, uh, you know, possible for Missouri to get pumped for this game as well, because I think there's a little bit more riding on it. Mm-hmm. Now, what about the fans, Shane? Because that's kind of an interesting one that I'm thinking about here. Oh yeah. It's you know, holiday weekend, the day after Thanksgiving, Arkansas is a unique state where, you know, they like to say the entire state is behind the program, and that's that's why they play these games a little rock. So, you know, maybe if this game was in Fayetteville, not that many people would show up, but they only get this game now, an SEC game, every other season. So I know the team's in the dumps. You got an interim coach. You just you don't know who's playing quarterback, but – you know, you think the fans will show up and kind of rally? I mean, why not? What else do they got to lose? You know, I really hope so, man. I, I really do. I, I hope for the players' sake that they do show up and they do rally and they do show their support. That you know, they are patient. They've they've been through a lot, but so is so have these players, man. I mean, a lot of these players on this team weren't recruited by Coach Morris. And, you know, they were just – that's the cards they were dealt. They had an opportunity to, you know, hit the transfer portal, and they didn't. They stuck in there with for Arkansas. So I hope for the seniors' sake that, that the player that the fans come out and, and, and show support to these guys and, uh, you know, just send them out on a good note, you know. If you can have that last game, just – I mean, this is it, Arkansas. I mean, if unless you like – other teams like watching other teams play. This is your last game, so I hope that you soak it up and uh, get behind these boys. Mm-hmm. Well, let's kick it over, Shane, to Coach Barry Ludham, who talked about the the Razorbacks' depth at quarterback. The depth chart here: they got three guys listed as potential starters here, including Jack Lindsey, who showed a little bit there against uh, LSU at the tail end of the game. On this game being a you know quote unquote rivalry, a lot of a lot of fans don't honor it as one most don't, but Barry Lunny's starting to see one develop. And then finally on playing little at Little Rock, I mean, he got pretty emotional, kind of jacked up t- just talking about uh, playing in War Memorial Stadium. Barry, I know you're probably not going to tell us anything on quarterback, but got to ask, what's the status with KJ and, and Nick? And uh, you got a lot of oars on the uh, depth chart. Yeah, we, we, we do. And, that, and that's legitimate. I mean, I, we're not trying to 
you know, play games or anything. It's just we're still evaluate, evaluating those guys. Um, I think that's going to be a day-to-day, hour-to-hour situation right now. A short week creates a little bit more challenge than that. Uh, we're on the field this evening as what is our Monday. It's really a Tuesday as we stand here today. And so um, I think we'll know a little bit more tomorrow about where this is heading um, as far as our, their evaluation and, and, and what we expect for them to be ready or what, who not to be ready. Barry, obviously not a long history of the Missouri series, but now it is the trophy game, it's the season ender, and it's something that needs to build. What's your take on just the rivalry that, with these guys and how you feel about that? Well, it is new. Uh, I think the first thing that sticks out to me, like I told the team, there's not anybody on our football team that's beaten Missouri. Now, there's a few guys that were red shirts in 15 when we played them out here in that miserable weather uh, that saw us you know, win that trophy, but there is not one player on our team that has, has beaten them. And so... That's a rivalry, you know. I mean, that's that's you know that's got to mean something to you. And like I told our guys, listen, there's a lot to play for. Uh, even though the people are going to say there's not a lot to play for, um, human in, you know human nature says that there's not a lot. You're two and nine. It's the last game of the year. You know you got an interim coaching situation. We don't have a lot to a lot to play for. I would I would beg to differ. We we laid out a lot of things. I mean, here's the deal. I'll lay them out for you. Uh, you know. First of all, it's one of 12 games. You work all year round for 12 games? Shoot, you can't get ready to play when you, you go all summer, all, all winter, 6 a.m. workouts, and you can't get ready to play one of your 12 games? Well, okay, we could stop there, in my opinion. But then there's a lot, lot of layers on top of that. We're, we're, we're at home in Little Rock playing an SEC game. Hadn't won, more, hadn't been, uh, won an SEC game since 2011 in Little Rock. Shoot, there's a lot to get ready for right there. Seniors, it's your last go around. The senior day that they had a few weeks ago is something that they'll never want to remember. And we're going to give those guys an opportunity to have a redo. Now, we're not going to do the dog and pony show, but we're going to acknowledge them. It's important that they get acknowledged and we get a chance to do this senior night or this senior day over again. That's important for me and for them. Um, so then you got seniors. It's their last go around. You know, that's a lot to play for. If you care about these seniors, you'll go all in on this game. Okay? We've lost 18 straight SEC games. We've lost 18 straight SEC games. Seven of those have been by one score. Seven have been by one score or less. So we got a chance to the last game of this tough season. Got a chance to, to break that streak. I, to me, that sounds like there's a whole lot to play for, uh, and I like it. I, I'm looking forward to getting on that bus on Friday with those police cars in front of us, um, blood pumping. I'm excited about that. I really am. Because um, I, I get flooded with memories of doing the same thing as a player, and those are special memories for me, and I'm proud of that. And I want from the moment we step on that bus to the moment we get back on that bus for this to be a, an experience that these guys will remember. Rain, sleet, snow, fog, I don't know, fog bowl, like the gate, what did we play in North Carolina, the fog bowl? Is there any fog coming in? Okay, so we don't have to worry about the fog. 70% chance of rain, that means it's a 30% chance of sun, Trey. And that's what I'm going with, you know. Hey, grab a poncho. They're pretty cheap. Let's get a poncho. And let's get in there and let's roll. That's what I would say. Let's see. Let's let. Let's let. Uh, is Ned Permy still on there? Is he still on there? Did he retire? I think he retired. We'll get Ned Permy to give us a better forecast as we get closer to the week down in Little Rock and let's roll.
you know. And so I, I think our guys are going to be excited no matter what the weather is, and I hope our fans will be the same. You know, there was one clip here, Shane, from Coach Lunny I didn't include. I didn't really want to get eight minutes of Coach Lunny here, but one of the questions he was asked, you know, it was, it was only about a week ago, two weeks ago, you know, they're asking him if he wants to be the head coach, if he thinks he's got a shot. And the question at this presser, Shane, was, hey, what's this next coach got to do to fix this thing? Oh, so, <laughs> no. Golly. So despite the fact that uh, I know Arkansas, you know, they got blown their doors off there against LSU, but that's been happening to a lot of people playing LSU. But I really like what I've seen from this guy. He's clearly passionate about this program. He's passionate about you know, getting these kids one last opportunity to go out there and, and show their best to the state of Arkansas. Uh, thoughts on what uh, Coach Lenny had to say here? <laughs> I I loved it, man. I loved I loved the rambling about the weather. I think you know, I was like, <laughs> that's my kind of guy, you know. I, he's got a great he's he's got a great presence there at the mic, but uh, I don't think he has a chance. Uh, keeping this gig you know his chance was last week man that was his lottery ticket and uh, <laughs> but he knows how he knows how important Arkansas football is you know I mean if anybody does it's this guy so um, I, I think he gets them I think he gets them pumped up and gets them ready and uh, they leave everything out in the field but uh, uh, he, he I don't know he's he's a good I, I think he's He's good, but I just unfortunately this may be the last few clips we have of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's kick it over to the other side, Shane. Jump on down to Columbia, Missouri. M I Z. Where Barry Odom typically speaks on Tuesday, but because this game's on a Friday, remember that uh, Coach Odom spoke with the media here on Monday, and you know it was kind of an interesting one, Shane, because while Missouri has lost, what is it here five five games in a row. Mm-hmm. Things are, man, the world's turned upside down. He's feeling the heat. His quarterback's injured. A defense is really banged up, particularly the secondary. You know, they're, they're giving up record-setting numbers to Tennessee's receivers and quarterback. I mean, there is just not a lot of hope here in Missouri. They've not even won a damn road game yet. Mm-mm. Is that true? Not one road game? Not this season. They've not won a single road game. They even lost at Vanderbilt. Holy shit. So imagine they lose at Arkansas. Well, Little Rock, but still on the road to Arkansas. Man, it just seems like uh, <laughs> there's there's not much more. There's nothing positive to say about this situation, is there? Uh, no. The only thing more depressing than this is actually Coach Odom talking, which is about to come up. <laughs> so if you haven't had coffee, you may want to fast forward this part. I, I think you're right, man. I think, golly, Mike. I mean, I didn't realize they didn't win one road game. I thought they had one on there, but Mm-mm. this is. Uh, do you fire him? I mean, let's let's just talk real, real talk for a second. If they go down here and lose to Arkansas, do you think there's a chance they fire Coach Odom? Yeah, I think there's a real chance if they lose this game because. I mean, what does that say about the state of your program? If you're losing to Arkansas, who's, you know, got an interim, has got, you know, issues at quarterback. It's probably the worst defense in the SEC. I mean, they're, Razorbacks just getting shredded week in, week out. I don't know. This is going to be a tough, tough one to recover from. And I think it would be even worse, Shane, if 
I wouldn't put it past the NCAA. Missouri lose this game, go to five and seven, and then the NCAA come out and say, "Hey, we're left in the postseason, babe." Oh my god, <laughs> that's the only way this could get worse. You know what yeah. I mean? But yeah, yeah, I mean, and I and I, if you, it's yeah, very, even if could you imagine not being not being bowl eligible and having that lifted at the end? Oh man, that would be a kick while you're down. That's something NCAA would do because they have they have no soul, you know. <laughs> yeah, there just there just seems to be a real lack of development on uh, a lot a lot of these, particularly at quarterback. I mean, what would Missouri have been this year, Shane, if Kelly Bryant didn't come on board? I know Kelly Bryant has not uh, had the year we expected him to have, but my goodness, Shane, imagine if he's not there. And based on what we've seen with him there. I mean, I don't know how many damn games this team would have won. That's right, man. I don't either. I don't either. They've been, they would have been really hurting. Mm-hmm. Well, let's kick it over to Coach Odom, Shane, where you teased it there for this exciting presser. Uh, uh-huh. He talks about uh, the NCAA still waiting to make their decision on whether he's met with AD Jim Sterk about his future. Uh, then, uh, you know, I thought this was some good commentary here on Derek Dooley and kicking him down to the field. They think uh, that helped a little bit. I mean, they showed some signs of life there against Tennessee, which is more than you can say for the weeks leading up to it. And then finally on, uh, you know, on not letting the negativity get to him here. I, man, I sure hope so. You know, I, I, uh, you would, you would like to know that going into the game, but also like I talked to him last night, there's the things we've been talking about since January, the unknown. Well, here we are yet in the last week of the season and we still don't know. So, um, you know, it would be one way or the other, I think, for everybody. You know, it's uh, we'll, we'll be anxious to find out when that is and what it is. Um, but also the, the clock's ticking and, uh, you know, there's waiting on the phone to call. So, um, you know, I'm, I am, Gabe, I'm, I am tired of talking about it. And I know you guys are tired of reporting about it. You're tired of asking about it. And, uh, I think all collectively, if we put together, we could come up with the idea and the response and even the sanctions, whether they're there or not, if they just let us do it. But ultimately, uh, we don't get that call. I'm concerned about a lot of things, and that would be one of them. Yeah, you just don't know until you get the information. Um, you know, it's the, the unknown, unfortunately. So you continue to work and press forward and, and make a plan on the information that you have, and you go with it in those regards. Yeah, you know, we met last week. Just I mean, but we meet every week, man. You know, at this point, this I, I'm trying to do everything we can to get this next win. And I think that's so huge for our program on moving it and continuing the momentum that we have. You know, three bowl games in a row. You know, that that means something. We talked about that last night as a team on the importance of getting number six to be bowl eligible, uh, not only for our senior class, but but for Mizzou football, and that's a big deal. And, you know, anyone that takes it lightly to, to be in the conversation and be qualified for a bowl, then, um, you know, they, they haven't been in the game very long. So, you know, that's the focus right now for me. We'll sit down when we have an opportunity and continue to try to make and move and do things for a program to continue to move it forward like we always do. We talked about it throughout the week, and uh, he talks a lot. So it was... Uh, you know, whether you, you hear him, you know, all the time on Saturday in the headset and then I've got my right or left ear closed and my right ear open. So I was hearing him out of both ears the other night. So uh, I took some getting used to. I told him to shut the heck up a couple of times. Just, uh, 
Anyway, I thought it helped our guys on the sideline a little bit. I really do. Uh, we're still talking about it. He's talking a lot still. Well, um, I really like the staff. You know, and I can joke around that a, that a little bit. Nobody wants me to joke right now. I understand that, but uh, it's a good group of guys. Yeah, I'm thankful for them. You know, you're not going to steal. You're not going to steal my spirit. You know what I mean? The joy, the reasons you do the job you do. You know, shoot, I, I want to win them all. Uh, but also, if you allow yourself to get into the the dark moments of, then you don't live life. Life's too short, man. To, uh, you got to keep pushing. You know, my team doesn't. I'm not. You know, I may go in my office and shut the door and have a moment to myself. But you know what? It, my guys aren't going to see any different from me. We're full steam ahead. We're going to get this still done. All right, Shane. So Odom's still joking here, but uh, I mean, having a having a good old time, you know. If they drop this one of the Razorbacks. I don't think he's going to be having much of a good time anymore. Do you? This drives me nuts, man. And it would drive me nuts as a Missouri fan if I'm listening to my damn coach laugh and talk about how great he loves his staff. Well, this staff is the reason that you've lost five games in a row. It's the reason that you haven't won an SEC game on the road all year long. That drives me nuts. Five five losses. That's ridiculous, Mike. Mm-hmm. And he's and he's in here joking about it. The offense looked like garbage. The defense, his bread and butter, could not do anything to stop Tennessee, man. It was just an absolute joke. It was night and day of what we thought expectations of this team was going to be at the start. We thought – Man, wouldn't it suck if they don't get this bowl band lift and they don't have a chance to compete in an SEC championship, Mike? That's where Missouri was. And here they are joking about a five-win ball club. I mean, it, it is a joke right now. And and you know what? I, I'm ready to fire Odom now. I, he's, my, he's my new Morse. Bullseye on him. Oh, man. Yeah. Shane coming out strong. <laughs> it's ridiculous, dude. I mean, it's just embarrassing. Absolutely embarrassed. Show me state. Show him the door, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's jump on down to Baton Rouge, Shane. Keep this thing going. Cool Where uh, Coach O met with the media here, talk about uh, this Texas A&M game. And kind of like I was saying, you know, on our Sunday pod, this team is fired up for this game. They feel like it was kind of robbed from them there at Texas A&M College Station last season. Uh, there's still a lot to be played for here for LSU. National championship hopes, SEC championship hopes, number one team in the nation. And kind of like I hit on the previous episode, I, I don't want to just repeat myself, but this is just the perfect situation in my mind for LSU. Uh, any other opponent I think they're overlooking here going into this game. But, uh, you know, it looks like, LSU's getting all their guys back. Grant Delpit, Coach O says he's at full speed. He, they anticipate him practicing all week and playing in the game. Left tackle, Sadiq Charles, available for this game. Uh, he's not. They've not technically announced a suspension, but you know, read between the lines, he's been suspended on and off. So that it's it's like they're <laughs> they're not sitting anybody for this Georgia SEC championship game. They're letting everyone play for this one. They uh-huh. want this one bad chain. Thoughts on uh, this LSU Texas A&M matchup, where A&M just a week ago had a, a lot of momentum going into that Georgia game, nearly won it, but it sounds like Ed Orgeron LSU they just want to crush the Aggies, kick them while they're down. 
I know, man. And it just feels like it's going to be one of those type games. And it, it kind of scares you because usually when you feel like it's just going to be a lopsided victory, it turns out to be a hell of a ball game or maybe even an upset, Mike. Not saying that's going to happen, mm-hmm. but, you know, LSU's been doing a lot of chirping, man. And coach, especially, you know, and it's sometimes when you play with emotions, you forget fundamentals. Not saying that LSU is going to do that, but, you know, something that Jimbo and Texas A&M has been doing of late is fundamental ball, man. They have been sticking and, and being disciplined. And, you know, they came up short a few times uh, there during Georgia. But, you know, if they stick to that and LSU just goes out there just thinking they're going to steamroll the Aggies, man, they got another thing coming. This is a this is a good ball club, man. This is a, to- a team that went toe-to-toe with Georgia. So I, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm kind of torn on this one and I, I don't know. I don't have a feel on this game as much as I, as I have on some of the games in the past, because I think there is going to be a lot of motion on this. I mean, last, last year, one of the most epic games played was these two teams right here. And obviously it's been keeping coach O up at night. Mm-hmm. Well, let's kick it over to coach O Shane who, who discussed, he was very eager to discuss last year's game on Joe Burrow and the impact he's had on this LSU program, on the rivalry with Texas A&M. And then finally, you know, keep in mind, Shane, they stole away Texas A&M's AD, Scott Woodward. Coach Ogeron talks about uh, Scott Woodward and his relationship with him, and it uh, sounds, like, sounds like a happy marriage down there in Baton Rouge, Shane. <laughs> Uh, dating back to last year's game, I mean, that was the one where you, you got a Gatorade shower there before yeah. the end. I mean, what are your memories of that and, um, you know, how, how that – Well, was, you know, just the, the Gatorade shower was obviously a little premature. Our guys were fired up. Um, we thought that we won the game three or four times. We didn't, obviously. And uh, But, you know, that's last year, so we got to let that thing go. And um, we got to focus on this year. Last year it don't matter. There's different players on this team. There's different players on their team. Just like when we played Alabama, those last eight games didn't matter. This is about this year, about focusing in on this team. Coach, I'm not sure if I ever heard you speak about what exactly happened on the field last year with Damian Craig and Steve yeah. Craig Thorpe and all that stuff. I mean, what happened after the game? Well, you know, it was a it was a mess. You know, it was a mess, and that's all I want to say about it. Um, obviously, I wasn't part of it. Uh, I went shake hands with Jim Bowen left. I heard about all the stuff, but everybody knows what happened. It was a mess. It shouldn't have happened. And I'm sorry that it did happen. Hey, Coach, uh, no way to get Joe Burrow one more year here, right? I can try. But I, don't, yeah, I don't think so. I don't, I don't think it's going to happen. His last game, uh, a guy that's only been here two years, probably no one's made a bigger impact in a shorter period of time. Just mm-hmm. you can speak to that. Yeah. You know, first of all, like I said, I don't know. You know, you, you say these things and maybe they come out wrong. I think he's one of the most top important recruits that LSU's had in a long time. I'm not saying that he is the most, and I don't rank and all that stuff. But for what he's done for our program, I knew that uh, you know, I, I, I grew up watching Bird Jones. I saw Tommy Hudson. I saw the great quarterback that LSU had, and we always wanted a great one, and uh, we got one. And uh, so I'm uh, happy for that. I'm happy that uh, we could put in the offense that we finally wanted at LSU. We broke all kind of records, and it's our first year in it. So uh, I feel like we're just getting started. I feel like we're going to get quarterbacks. I don't know if they're going to be as good as Joe, but that can operate within the system. We'll get receivers. Uh, they can operate within the system, and we're going to continue on. Coach, over here, a couple of things. How big a rivalry, in your opinion, is this, one? Uh-huh. And two, 
is these are these kind of games important as far as keeping a fellow SEC West rival out of your uh, backyard sure. when it comes to recruiting? Sure, I think it's a rival. I, mean, I don't, I don't, I'm not an LSU expert. See, what's the best rival? What it is? But our guys, you know, and we beat them for a long time, but they beat us last year and it hurt. And so uh, they have a good team. Coach Fisher's a good coach. I mean, he's been here. We all know about it. Uh, this is competitive, so uh, they have great players. We have great players. They have great coaches. It's going to be a heck of a game, and it is. Yes, uh, we need to to beat the other schools and, and to help us in recruiting and also help us recruiting in Houston. Houston's one of our biggest area in recruiting, so we beat Texas, and, uh, you know, you know, beating Texas A&M helps us. Coach uh, Scott Woodward obviously came here from, from Texas A&M. Just curious, in the six, seven months, would have been your guys' discussions of you know making this the new normal and um, just your thoughts about the program heading into the future. Yeah, he's been great. He comes every day. He he knows more about recruiting than most people I've met. Uh, he's uh, he talks to me every Sunday. We talk about the game. He's in the locker room. He's very supportive. He talks to the players, talks to the coaches. He's been phenomenal. Ever ever since the day he's coming here, he's been an asset. Been phenomenal, phenomenal. Everything I've asked him for, which has been much, he's given it to us. Uh, in order to be successful, he wants to win just like we do. All right, Shane, so there you have it from Coach O. And, uh, you know, one note I do want to make here about Joe Burrow. This is an incredible stat here. Of all the stats, I mean, there's countless records he's setting this year. But first SEC quarterback, Shane, with 4,000 or more passing yards and 40 touchdowns in a single SEC season. And hell, Shane, he's got this game, he's got the SEC championship, and a guaranteed at least one bowl, maybe two. He's going to reach 5,050 touchdowns, I think. I mean, I think that's almost like a foregone conclusion. And you know what sucks, Mark, being a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, sitting there watching the Cincinnati Bengals not win a game all year. Everybody thought they were going to tank for Tua, but I'm telling you, they may be taking for old Joe Burrow right now, and I'm going to have to see him every Sunday. Blow so. for Joe. <laughs> That's right. So, uh, man, I I don't know, man. I, I think the kid is lights out. He is just – he is a – he's a grown-ass man playing among boys. And, you know, he's just he's just in a league of his own right now. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you this one, Shane. This just came to mind because, you know, I'm not trying to take away anything from Coach O. He deserves all the accolades that are coming to him. But is Coach O the head coach at LSU in 2020, Shane, if they do not land Joe Burrow? Um, I don't know, man. I tell you, we've, we've kind of ta- joked about the backup. I think LSU's got the best backup mm-hmm. in the SEC right now. And the fact that he hasn't left is impressive. So, I, I don't know if they're undefeated, but I, I still think Coach O has a job because I don't I don't think Miles is a is a that big of a drop. I mean, he is a drop off. Don't get me wrong. Joe's in, Joe's like I just told you, he's a league of his own. People are going to be. I mean, he's going to be a first round, maybe in a first pick. You know, mm-hmm. wouldn't surprise me. So there would be some drop off, but I don't know. They, this team is uber talented uh there is a lot of freak athletes on this field and it's not just at quarterback so i think coach o just he got he got lucky man sometimes you get one of them classes that just you know they come together and they fit perfect and with this new system that's exactly what he's got mm-hmm. all right Shane. well let's kick it down to college station giga maggots with jimbo fisher 
met with the media here on Monday, and he had a lot to say on this one, obviously. But, uh, you know, this is going to be... How about this, looking at it this way, Shane? I don't... We obviously don't know which bowl game Texas a and is going to make at this point. It's going to be a solid one, to be sure, but it's not going to be, I guess, a caliber of opponent like LSU. This is their chance. Keep hitting the same note, but we're still waiting for that first signature win. I guess you could say the closest thing they've really had was last year beating LSU, but mm-hmm. Tigers weren't number one there. They nearly got it last weekend against Georgia. How much motivation for Jimbo Fisher and his crew? You know, there's almost all this talk out of Baton Rouge. These players, these coaches, they're all talking about how they want to whip on Texas A&M. What kind of statement is going to be made if the Aggies somehow go on the road and the first team to knock off LSU? (laughs) Yeah, dude. Is this – let me ask you, is it possible if that does happen and then LSU – beats Georgia. I, I thought I saw some sort of diagram where there's a chance three SEC teams could make the playoffs. So could that happen? No, because if Georgia loses the SEC championship game, they're out. They're right. out. Yeah. But in your scenario, you just laid out if LSU loses this one and wins the SEC championship, I think they're fine. I think they're still in. Mm-hmm. And maybe Alabama's in there too. So I, I can still see two potentially, but I don't think Georgia would make it in with the second loss. Okay. All right. So they would have to lose to Georgia. So mm-hmm. if Georgia beat LSU in the SEC championship and Ohio State, okay, okay. Never mind. I was just thinking if there's a chance. But, uh, dude, I mean, this is it. This is. Um, Texas A&M's chance to – this is their national championship, man. This is their spot in the playoffs. They they have got – they want to say that they're in the upper echelon, man. They they don't like being called the little brother in the West anymore. You know, this is their opportunity. They had it last week to beat Georgia. You know, they've played great teams this year. They Think about it. They've played Clemson. they played Alabama. They've played Georgia. Now they're playing LSU. Those are your four, you know – championship teams right there you know i'm saying they're the, they're the four that you're going to see played in the playoffs potentially so um short of ohio state and they, they got a they got an opportunity to to make a name for themselves and uh, i hope they bring it i know they will be this is uh this is a rivalry that's uh you know a new one but it's starting i mean it's it's a it's a nasty one i mean when you have a five overtime game like you did last year uh, you know, that, that carries over. A lot of these kids were on that team last year. Mm-hmm. Well, let's kick it over to Coach Fisher, Shane, who complimented Joe Burrow, as you'd expect, on uh, how he prepares his team for these rivalry games, on his defense, gaining confidence each week, and the diversity of offenses you have to face in college football. And then this last one, I just thought this was a great note here. He was asked about recruiting against LSU in the state of Texas and how you know winning the game may actually hurt you a little bit in recruiting. Jimbo, I wonder if you could speak to the year, year one to the next transformation of, of Burrow and what you're seeing on tape this year in this offense. And, and is there even – how much time do you spend looking back on that game you played against them last year, considering how much different I mean, we are. review the game and so it, and you see tape of them periodically about people you, you play during the year, you know what I mean, by tape and what they've done or whatever. But, I mean, uh, last year I thought against us he was a great player. 
I mean, he played great that night, running, throwing the football. I, I'm sure he's much more comfortable in what they do. I don't. I guess they've changed some of their scheme schematic. I don't know the inner workings or, or how they do it or if they've just gotten better at it. I don't know. But I'm sure he's much more comfortable, much more comfortable being in Baton Rouge. You can remember, he's a guy who moved all the way across the country from Ohio to Louisiana and had to make adjustments. That's People don't, you don't take into account how, how that affects guys. And I'm sure he's more comfortable there. He's better there. Uh, they say he's, you know, he's obviously the leader of that team, and you can see it. I mean, I, I think the guy's playing outstanding football. I think he's playing as good as any quarterback I've seen in a long, long time. Jimbo, you were a part of a couple of really big rivalries at Florida State. Mm -hmm. um, with this, I guess, being a rivalry game, one, what do those mean to the game of college football? And two, how do you go about preparing your guys for those kinds of games? Well, I, I think, first of all, you, 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 when you go preparing for them, you prepare for them like they're any other game. And what I mean is there's, you can't do anything more space. They say, well, I'm going to do more. What can you, if, you, if you're putting your heart and soul in it every week, you got, it's about execution and I think keeping your emotions in check. I think you have to be able to emotionally – you have to be high when you play and you have to have energy and you have to do that. But sometimes your emotions, you can't let them get out of whack. you got to keep your emotions intact to where you can play and wherever, wherever that threshold is for each individual and for us as an organization. Uh, you know, and I think they're great. I mean, you know, and have rivalries. Both teams got to win games. You know what I mean? And, and we, we know we won one last year and, and hopefully get those things going. And I like the direction our program's going and where we're going in the future. So I'm sure we're going to play consistently and we have such close proximity. I mean, it's going to be a having eventually have a lot of bearing on what's going on in the West. And uh, that, that's exciting because I think that's great for college football. I think when you have rivalries, the emotions, the people, the fans, the excitement, the joy, I mean, it's things you look forward to and you, you people mark on their calendars as, as you go on. So I think they're great for college football. I've, I've been fortunate to be part of some tremendous, tremendous rivalries when I was at Auburn, when I was at Florida State, when I was at LSU. I mean, it's it's a blessing and it's it's a it's it's one of the great uh, joys and, and, and things that go with being in this profession. Coach, with what you saw from the defense against Georgia, does that give you confidence going into playing such a dynamic offense? Well, yeah, it does. I mean, we play great there. But you got to also say, as you know, two different teams and how you match up and what their strengths are to what our strengths are, what our weaknesses are to their weaknesses. And I think that's where you got to be. That's the one thing about college football that's so different than pro football, in my opinion, is that the diversity of what you see week to week is unbelievable. I mean, it's just why I think it's really why you're saying Lamar is having so much success in pro football. You don't see that because everybody else's drop back pass, run on first down, play on. I mean, so that creates diversity. Mahomes was creating different diverse. You know, in college football, you see that every week. You go from a running team to a spread team to an option team to a you can go to a bone. I mean, uh, you know, the, the option. I mean, the die, I mean, different stuff. I mean, and I think that's where, you know, defense, we play good against a very good team. This will be a different dynamic because the styles are totally different. But at the same time, that means hopefully the diversity in which you recruit to and have. And Coach Elko does a great job in, in adjusting those things. And hope we can, and our offensive approach will all be part of how we handle all those things. Coach Odron talked today about the importance of recruiting Houston. How often do you cross paths with LSU in Houston, East Texas, and does that raise the stakes of this game? Yeah, well? I mean, I think it always is. People who are on your borders and who always they, you know, when we were at LSU, we always tried to get into Houston. We always tried to get into Texas. I mean, that was a, you know, you had Louisiana. That's the closest place. that had great players. You know what I'm saying? So that's always an area. And Houston's, you got three million people. I mean, so unfortunately, everybody in America's in Houston, <laughs> Dallas, and everywhere else. I mean, and we need to set a rule. We got to stay just to keep them out. But uh, but no, that that is a big part, and it's it does affect the game. Uh, I think it's very important. I think, you know, it's funny the kids today in recruiting. I'm gonna say that I don't mean. That. I think it's extremely important, and you got to. You, we cross paths with them quite a bit in Houston, and in different areas, Texas, Dallas, all over different areas, even nationally. 
I mean, cause we're, as we go, as we're branding out more national to get kids, we bump into each other a lot. I mean, a whole lot. But it's funny how I've seen in the last, I'm going to say, 30 years that I've been in Division One football, 26, 28 years, whatever I'm saying, whoever we, when we were, when I was at Auburn, man, whoever won that Alabama-Auburn game, it was unbelievably significant how recruiting would come into that. But as you've, in the last 10 to 12 years, it's, I mean, they love it. They want to be a part of it. But a lot of them say, okay, they got problems. I can play there earlier. I mean, I, I know that sounds – I mean, it does. I mean, or, I can do, it, it's, it's, or that team it, – it's, it's funny how the dynamic has changed because it used to be, hey, I'm going there and we'll win. I don't care if I redshirt a year. We're going to play and I'm going to be good, blah, blah, blah. Now it's, can I get on the field and how quick can I get out? It's it, but, but in that, I mean, it, it's very important when you – I think in these games, it's just, you always want – got to win your games. But at the same time, it's funny how recruiting – I think our society's changed a little bit in that regard. It, I, I used to see it affect – Recruiting, I'm talking in the 90s, early 2000s, who won games a lot of times affected a lot of that. I, I think it still does because, listen, the good teams still get good players and they're still recruiting well and it's still about the product. But and I think it's a little less now as much as it used to be years ago, if that makes any sense. The end, does that make any sense what I'm trying to say? Because everybody now was, what, what, what can I make? What can I do real quick? You know what I'm saying? But it's still very important. There's no doubt. All right, Shane, so it kind of sounds like Jimbo – if he loses his game, he's going to turn around and say, "Well, it's going to help us in recruiting." You know, <laughs> <laughs> it felt like he was setting that up, didn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I think he was just honestly just giving us a, a a real insight into the recruiting landscape in 2020. But that was a funny comment. I just thought I had to include that one. But you know, one thing about that though, Mike, who's who's the top five teams in the nation right now? Ohio State, LSU, Clemson, Alabama, Georgia. Yep. And guess who the top, top five <laughs> recruiting classes are? You just named them, Mike, you know. So winning does matter. Now, Texas A&M sitting there right outside at six spot. But, you know, it, it. you know, these – I don't know. I don't think it has changed. I, I think these players still want to go to these schools that are winning and putting players in the NFL, period. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. I I, th- I just thought that was a funny little comment there. But <laughs> all right, Shane. Well, let's kick it down to Athens. Oh, dog, sick him! We're old Kirby Smart with the media here on Monday, and uh, obviously previewing the big matchup there with Georgia Tech. Now, this is kind of similar a little bit to that LSU matchup against Texas A&M, where you know, coming off some physical, physical games here against Auburn and Texas A&M. Both gave them a late run there. Georgia really had to hold on for a win. Now, everyone is obviously expecting Georgia Tech to get blown out in this game. But, but, you know, how do they keep the players from eyeing two weeks ahead to this LSU game? This is college football, after all. I mean, who in the hell saw South Carolina beating Georgia? You know what I mean? So, I'm not saying Georgia Tech's going to do the same and, and pull a stunner here, but got to keep in mind that these college kids, sometimes it's, it's really hard to keep them focused on the game ahead. How dangerous is this game for Georgia, and, and how concerned is Kirby Smart and his coaching staff got to be all week on getting these kids focused on a team that uh, if you, you look on paper, and I'm sure they're you know scouting the film and what have you, they know they should dominate this team. How, how serious are they going to take this one? 
don't you dare read into Kirby Smart kissing these guys' ass because <laughs> Georgia Tech is not good. They, yeah, they, they don't run the option anymore. Who cares? They still, they're still not a good ball club. And yeah, they won last week against North Carolina State, but the week before they lost forty-five to zero to Virginia Tech. You know, this is, <laughs> you know, let's let's just pump the brakes here. Georgia's going to go down here and do Georgia things, and uh, this won't even be a ball game. I just. I hope that nobody gets hurt, everybody's healthy, because what we want is a great SEC championship game, Mike. Yeah, without a doubt. And, uh, well, let's kick it over to Kirby, because I thought he had some really interesting comments. Obviously, he's played in this rivalry, and it was uh, much more of a rivalry during his days. But uh, you know, I really thought uh, these comments he had on how he kind of sell to his players that uh, you may not think this is a big game, but how about you lose it? Because then you'll find out real hard. You know, how big of a game this is for these people in this state. He also talked about uh, Jake Fromm and his kind of his struggles in the passing game there recently. And then uh, kind of like what I hinted at there on getting his team up for this game with a big SEC title game looming, how the challenges that come with that. You know, it's hard to put a finger on it. Uh, Auburn, they, they played really tight coverage. There's no real easy throws. I thought these guys, um, the guys who just play Texas A&M, they're, they're passionate. Pass efficiency defense is really stellar. They do uh, some good things defensively. Uh, their coordinator was at Notre Dame. He's done some really good things. So makes it makes it tough at times. But at times you got to hit the open guy. I think Jake would be the first to tell you that we missed a couple and uh, made a couple. So there, there's no easy throws when you start looking at it out there. It's not like there's a gimme here or there. You, you try to get high percentage throws, and we had a couple of those uh, to the back in the flat and to Charlie and to the swing passes, but. We got to do a better job uh, helping him out, and uh, he's got to do a better job hitting the ones when they're open. What's different preparing for Georgia Tech without the triple option? I mean, I know it was kind of a uh, all-consuming thing for this week usually. Yeah, they still have a lot of elements of the option. So uh, obviously, when I say a lot, I don't mean as much as what they had previously because they were. I mean, they were all in when they were triple option. They have elements of the triple. They still. I mean, you can't just flip it over and just go completely to a nine when that's what your roster is made of. So um, they have dive, pitch keys, they have reads, they have perimeter runs, inside runs. They've got elements of the option. So it is different from, from a perspective of not having to do everything we used to do, which was completely different. So where it was 100% different defense, it might be 50% difference now with some of the things they're doing. Curious, Georgia Tech's defensive line, they're a little thin and dinged up. I'm curious how you see that matchup with your offensive line against their defensive front. Yeah, I mean, when you look across the board, they've got guys that played quite a bit of snaps. They rotate a lot of guys in there. They play a uh, ton of players. Jeff's always done that. He he had that uh, philosophy when he was at Mississippi State, when he was at Florida. I think that helps build uh, morale and self-worth within your team. You have more kids bought into the organization when they know they're going to get an opportunity to contribute. So they play a lot of guys, and they move, and they got athletic guys up there. So, I mean, we we, we got to worry about ourselves more than we got to worry about Tech. And that's that's the case every week. You, you have to get better at you, and it's not really about the other team. And that's, that's what we focus on, regardless of who we're playing. As far as the, the rivalry, I mean, it's, it, it's always – I mean, when I came to school here as a player, it was – one of the biggest rivalries there was. It was what you talked about as a freshman. It's what was ingrained in you to 
you know, have the hate and build that up. Uh, I think because of the conferences and because of um, the, the importance of winning your conference, that may have diminished some in regards to over the time. But the game, the rivalry, is usually based on wins and losses and who's winning, the, who's winning those games. Georgia has so many rivalries that you can't say one's more important than the other. Um, you don't think it's important, then lose it. And then it'll be really important. And I know the importance of this game, and I know the significance it has to so many of our fans, especially the, 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 the crowd that, that may be older, that traditionally when Georgia Tech was a national powerhouse year in and year out, uh, it means so much to them. Kirby, since we last saw you on Saturday, LSU clinched the West, so if you want to comment on that future matchup, you're more than welcome to. Also, uh, how, what's, the, what's the, um, the challenge of focusing this week, uh, you know, knowing you have a big game the week after? Well, the, the, the challenge is about the rivalry. So when you think about this game, records are thrown out, none of that matters. You know, they finished Thursday. This is a huge opportunity and stage for them. Uh, we acknowledge that. Um, a lot of our kids will be playing in front of their home crowd, their, where they're from, their community, because of so many kids being from the Atlanta area. So that's the focus and that's the concentration. And, and our guys understand that. We've got a mature team. And uh, we said the other day that the most important step is the next step. Georgia Tech is the next step. And they've got a football team that's peaking at the right time, played a really good game Thursday night. So we got to go out and play a good football game. All right, Shane, so Kirby, you know, he's – He's going his coach speak route this week, but yeah. uh, <laughs> I don't know, Shane. I'm telling you, I'm not saying I'm not saying an upset's going to happen here, but this might be one where I'm I'm eyeing that spread. I think it's a 30 point spread. I think there's a real chance Georgia Tech covers that this week. You know, at, at Georgia Tech, man, it's just it used to be something, dude. I'm telling you, man. This it used to be a daggone powerhouse down there. It's just it's got away from that. Now there have been, you know, some games of late. I mean, if you think about it, and I know it's a small sample size, but in the last five games that they've had, Georgia Tech has won two of them. So, mm -hmm. you know, you can't you can't close that door. You can't overlook Georgia Tech. I know I came out and gave them a hard time there, but uh, I, I think you've got way more talent than than Georgia Tech. And if you stick to fundamental ball, which Kirby has not ventured away from. I mean, in fact, we, we give them our time over it. I think they're going to be fine. This is going to be a, a, a boring game. This is going to be one that you're going to want to watch after you, you know, eat that turkey sandwich and you're looking for a good nap because that's what this game I think is going to end up being. <laughs> All right, Shay, final team we got to hit on on this episode. Let's jump on down to Lexington. Mark Stoops met with the media here all Monday. And, uh, you know, surprisingly, he didn't talk a ton about Louisville here. Uh, most of these clips are about his team, but obviously understands the importance of this rivalry. He was on the wrong side of it for a few years there. And, you know, he really needed to win this one to kind of gain some support there in Lexington. And, uh, I mean, last year they damn dominated this thing. So they'd like to extend that streak this season. Uh, but I really think this is going to be a close ball game. That's I know you're not so much thinking that, but uh, the point spread is kind of indicating that a lot of people, at least of the betting lines, think this is going to be a, a close game here. But Kentucky's got a lot on the line here, Shane. I mean, this could be the difference between spending your damn bowl season and 
damn Birmingham or what have you, some <laughs> terrible location, and possibly go into somewhere like the Music City Bowl, where, you know, Nashville's so close to the state of Kentucky, it seems like uh, you know these Kentucky fans love to come on down to Nashville. I know they've played mm-hmm. the Music City Bowl a few times here recently, but it's a short trip, it's a fun trip, and I think that's, uh, that's going to be a likely destination if they win this game against Louisville. Oh, and they will. Is that are we are we talking about that still? <laughs> you know, you know. I was watching a movie the other day, and it reminded me of Stoops. You ever watched the uh, uh, the Patriot? Mm-hmm, yeah. And Mel Gibson, you know, he, you know, they they got that old British war going on, and they line up against each other, and they shoot, and then they, you know, but. But Stoops don't fight that way, you know. He he takes with what he what he has, and he knows he's just got militia, you know, and he's out there in in the bush, just you know, coming up with these new little schemes to get the victories, you know. And it's one little battle at a time. That's what he reminds me of, man. He just he's he's sly and he takes what he has, mm-hmm. the cards that he's dealt, and he makes the best out of it. And and uh, this same thing's gonna be this week, man. You know, he knows Louisville knows that they're wanting to run the ball. You know what I'm saying? But don't mm-hmm. be surprised if Stoops mix it up a little bit. You know, it's just who he is. He's he's always got to ace up the sleeve. So I, I really uh, I think he's uh, one of the most underrated coaches in the nation. And uh, and I just I think Louisville's not prepared for that or the team we don't like to talk about. Well, let me ask you, Shane, in your scenario here, because you got yeah. me you got me thinking now. Is Mark Stoops, is he uh, Mel Gibson in this scenario? Oh, yeah. No, he's definitely Mel Gibson. <laughs> and who who would uh, Heath Ledger be? Would that be Terry Terry Wilson? Terry Wilson, well, you know, he got – no, Terry went down earlier, so this would be the younger brother, Okay, I think. You know, this – the latest one, uh, Heath would probably be uh, – no, no, you're right. I think it's Terry. Now that I think about it, because Terry would have been a good, good fix here, um, and and he, yeah, no, you're right, definitely. <laughs> Maybe some of the secondary could have been the younger, the younger brother. You know. <laughs> All right, Shit. So before we uh, get too off topic here, let's kick it over to Stoops, who talks a little bit about uh, the rivalry games here, mm-hmm. uh, and then this has been an interesting little. You know, subplot here going on. Cash Daniels' status, Shane. He missed a lot of the the previous game there against UT Martin, and yeah. it sounds like, you know, I'm not. I don't want to go on wild speculation here, but it sounds like his career may be done. I've heard, you know, there there's concerns of multiple concussions, so that's kind of what Stoops is talking about here. And then uh, I don't think we really talked about this yet, but you know, apparently he's out of the running for the Florida State job and all that goes with that. He's kind of hit on that over the weekend. And once again, he was asked about it. And so that's what he's addressing here at the end of this clip. Uh, I think it's always important. I mean, I don't think there's any denying when you're playing a rivalry game that it's important. I've said that since day one. I understand the importance to our fan base and our community, our state, and, uh, you know, our team. So it's it's, it's always important. Hard. Um, you know, cash is 
Cash is one of those guys that just, he leaves everything out there. He practices so hard. He plays so hard. Um, and he has some frustrations at times because, you know, some, you know, things he's getting beat up at times. And, uh, you know, he's one of those guys. There's no question. Each year, um, you know, last year he had surgeries and had to take care of his body in the offseason. It took him a long time to get healthy this year as the year goes on. Same thing. He has some ups and some downs and gives it everything he's got. And uh, I'm really proud of Cash and what he's done and, and um, you know, overcoming some adversity and things that maybe not everybody knows about. And, um, you know, each individual is different and goes through some ups and downs and has a lot of, um, you know, trials and tribulations and things going on in their personal life, in their own life, and in their families that are just very hard. Uh, but the young man gives us everything he's got all the time. We love him. He's a great teammate, and uh, he's ready to go. He'll be back out there ready to go uh, this week. So um, proud of him and the things he's had to overcome. I know he, he will want to go through the pro days and do, you know, all the stuff to try to get him, have a chance in the NFL. That that's up to Cash and what he wants to do. Um, I know it's hard to make those decisions right now as you go through a long um, and stressful season, and as you're beat up mentally and physically. As I mentioned, how difficult it is. Um, I don't want him to make any of those decisions right now until he has the time, you know, after this week to, to heal up a little bit, rest up. But uh, I know it's it's hard for him because it, uh, it, he plays so hard that his body just feels like it, it may be time to just uh, move on to something different. But that's his decision and when and where and why, how he wants to make it. Uh, it'll be up to him. But if, as far as working here or doing something with me, uh, you never know, you know, uh, Certainly, you love a guy like that and uh, everything he's done for our program. So I would welcome that as well. Uh, no, I don't want to get into any specifics about any anything like that. And I don't want to open up, you know, speculation and things for the future. I mean, I, I just don't think it's appropriate. I was pretty clear on, you know, I'm really intent on being here and building this program. And uh, we have unfinished business and I'm excited about the future. So. Um, that was pretty clear. Yeah, I know you don't pay attention to social media, but at least this week the fan base does want you to stay here. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. I appreciate that. Thank you. Keep me updated. Yeah. All right, Shane. So Mark Stoops, some interesting comments there about Cash Daniel and on sticking it out at Kentucky. And we've said it here many times. He's got probably the best contract in college football, Kentucky. And I, I also love the fact that, uh, <laughs> you know, there's speculation he may leave. Oh, my God, Kentucky fans love him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, thoughts on, I mean, this seems at this point just be like a perfect union here between Mark Stoops and this uh, Kentucky program that I think as long as he's there is going to remain a contender in the East. Yeah, for sure. And, and I think you're right. <clears throat> about K- I think something's I think something's not right you know and he didn't want to speculate what was going on but uh, it, I mean it could be mental it could be physical it could be you know dealing with family I mean there's something going on behind the scenes and you know uh, I don't know but I do I do know that Kentucky loves Stoops man and he loves Kentucky and it is a perfect relationship he does got a fantastic contract 
and uh, he could literally stay there forever if he keeps producing, which I think he will, man. And I think there's going to be years that come up when when the stars line and they're going to make a good run in Kentucky. It's just, is it next year? I don't know. It could be. They got plenty of talent, but it's just, that's just this. You just be ready when it does happen, man. I mean, hell, they won 10 games last year. Yeah, I mean, who would, ever, would have seen that coming, you know what? But, no, I didn't. I mean, that just speaks to how great of a coach Mark Stoops really is. All right, Shane, so that's all we got on this one. Going a little bit long here. Um, I know there's a lot of teams we didn't hit on. We promised to hit on those on the next episode. You know, we're still waiting for some pressers to go down. And, uh, we, you know, we just had so many teams to hit on here. Didn't want a damn two-hour pod here. But yeah. we're going to be hitting on all the rest of the teams on the next show. You got anything else before we hop off here? No, this one's a long one. And, uh, yeah, we've got... You know, it's a holiday week, so we're going to try to get some get some good stuff out to you, even on Thanksgiving. I think we're going to have a little something coming out. So, uh, yeah, we do. no no rest for the wicked, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> well, Shane, it's a holiday, but people still, they want their pod. We're going to give it to them. They're still, this is the best weekend, like I said, of college football action, SEC action. Everybody's playing. A lot on the line. Jobs on the line. Uh, mm-hmm. Thankfully, not not us, but uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's hate week, but we're cool, Mike. <laughs> All right, Shane, I think that's going to do it. Thanks for joining me as always. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next one. All right, see you guys. Go balls. lane train coming through buddy (laughs) (laughs) he's driving down to mississippi state he wants back in the sec baby he's gonna hit them all buddy he's heading to (laughs) arkansas first i think (laughs) oh if you were to guess uh, do you think lane makes it to arkansas do you think that's a possibility i mean i think it's a possibility but i don't think it'll happen okay i heard uh i don't know man they're just Maybe it's like the us and what's his face, um, old Chucky Gruden. Yeah, groomers. <laughs> you know. <laughs> now, didn't his brother coach over in Arkansas? Uh, no, he coached at Ole Miss, but his oh, okay. his father apparently coached there years and years ago. Oh man, old Monty. Oh, like when they first became a school. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. Okay. All right. Where are we? Uh, we're talking. Uh, what are we talking? <laughs>